This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Uh, thank you again for joining me on another episode. As I do every Tuesday, I just want to remind you guys that if you want to stay connected with us, Uh, one way that you can do that is by following us on social media. And the easiest way to do that is by going on the link here on the description or the show notes. Uh, again, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. And then if you want to know whenever we release a new episode, we will love for you to subscribe from whatever you're listening from or if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, that way you can be notified whenever we release a new episode. And by following us on social media, you will be updated on who will be the next guest and anything fun coming up on the uh, on the podcast. Um, but yeah, so that's a way that we can all stay connected. And thank you all for your support and for listening and possibly share with your friends and family. And uh, if you are watching the video and you see in that I'm wearing this t-shirt. <laughs> I actually got this from um, at the conference, at the G3 conference that I've mentioned before. And I got it from um, the Carpe Fide uh, podcast. Uh, they have created this t-shirts and Carpe Fide, the podcast is actually our guest for today. We have Jesse and Justin, and we'll be learning more about their podcast and why they started making these t-shirts. <laughs> I actually got one for myself and one for my husband too. So um, I'm, I'm so excited for you guys to know who they are, what they're doing and why they started making these t-shirts and some of the support that they have been provided. I mean, providing to um, some brothers and sisters in the faith. And um, you will learn that about their ministry, that they're very supportive. And um, I, I'm very grateful that I learned about their Uh, ministry and what they're doing. And I know that it will be a blessing to you guys. And I hope that you'll be encouraged. And if you do like this episode, or if you feel that this is an episode that someone will benefit from, I would love for you to just uh, share with your friends and family. Don't forget to uh, follow us on social media, send us an email if you ever have any questions, or even if you have any prayer requests, or if you have any questions about what it means to be saved, uh, or, or what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We will we will be more than happy to to help you and just navigate you through that question. Thank you again, friends. And here is my conversation with Justin and Jesse from Carpe Fide. All right, friends. So I am here with Jesse and Justin from Carpe Fide. Yeah. Hello, guys. What's up? <laughs> How's it I'm going, guys? It. Oh, it's great. This is an East Coast, West Coast connection right now. Yeah. I know, right? It's it's eight thirty p.m. for you guys for me or eight forty five something like that. So yeah, yeah, three hours. You know, wait, a, is it? Yeah. No, yeah, it's, yeah, it's eight forty five right now. Oh, okay, because uh, the we're hour trying to change. Do East anyway. coast, west coast. Yeah, we're trying to do east coast, west coast, and daylight savings time all in the same. <laughs> I know that's why I got a little confused. I'm like, wait, so are you guys now four hours ahead? No, it's the same thing. So oh, anyway. we also <laughs> change the clocks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I hope you guys do. <laughs> no, but it's so awesome to have you guys. Um, I, you know, I've been sharing about your podcast and 
all the good stuff that you guys are doing on our social media. So I got to meet you guys at G3 conference, but I had seen you guys on social media by other friends, you know, reposting, but I wasn't sure what you guys actually did and stuff. <laughs> so we're going to be no, learning we're... more about what you guys do. <laughs> as soon as you if figure it out, knew, you tell yeah. us. Yeah. Oh, by the way, let me just mention this. So these two guys right here, they're so kind. <laughs> they gave me a shout out. The funny part is here. They didn't remember my name. <laughs> oh my, no, no. And then they butchered <laughs> the, the podcast. <laughs> I just want to say I was pretty brave for taking a stab at it, trying to read it. Okay. No, hey. I gave it up to you, Justin. Right? I tried. You did. <laughs> Jesse was completely like giving up. I was like, eh, well. Arlie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys can call me Arlie. I always tell people, just call me Arlie. That you know, it's super. easier. That's Next fine. time. Yeah. Try to do it so, right. So just to 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 tell our friends here, so your your guys' podcast is Carpe Fide. Yes. I just learned that recently because I was like, I was so curious about that name. I was like, what does that mean though? Okay, I know what Fide is, but what is the other thing? Carpe? Like for me, there is a word in Spanish that carpeta, which is like a rock. (laughs) Yes. Well (laughs) we do hope that you it enfolds you like a like a rug might I got nothing. I got nothing. Fold the rug. <laughs> Fold the face. So it comes from uh, it, it, it comes from the Latin expression carpe diem, which is to seize the moment. Would be a, a, a seize loose, the day. Loose translation to seize the day. It's a it's a grabbing of the time. Um, yeah. So technically, uh, we know we we are we're well aware that the the homeschool movement actually did start on the West Coast. So um, for those that are homeschooled and and have a bit of Latin, they'll know that it should technically be. Carpe fidum. There should be oh. an M there. Yes, the declension is wrong, but we like to say wrong declension. Right, right theology. theology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I was just very intrigued. So I'm pretty sure that many people are like, what does this mean? But it's amazing. So we were we're gonna be learning a little bit more about what you guys are doing because you guys are doing I mean so much. Uh, but as I like to do with all of my guests, I like to I, I like to have them like give us a little background about the upbringing, you know, like where you guys I know. Well, first of all, you guys are brothers, which I didn't know. And then I found out and I was like, wait, are you guys brothers? <laughs> and then now it makes sense. <laughs> Yes. It was adopted. So real actual brothers. No, that's yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> that I know of. <laughs> so now let's see how we're gonna navigate through this. So basically, whoever wants to start first, I just want you to share about your upbringing with your family. What was what was it like? You know. So tell me a little bit about that. Why you raised in a believing home? <laughs> Who goes first? <laughs> we we just both tied. We tied on rock paper scissors twice. So I don't really know. I'm gonna call Jesse then because <laughs> okay. you're like on my left side. Uh- <laughs> All right. Um, so yes, we were raised in a Christian home. Uh, we were we were very blessed. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, like our generation's family life is just so decimated uh, with broken homes and just all sorts of other crazy stuff. And we are just so blessed um, to have parents that love one another, to have parents that love us, um, to parents that um, tried to raise us to the best of their ability um, in in a in a solidly Christian uh, home it looked a little bit different when we were younger than when we were older. And that is a good thing, Uh, but we can probably get into that a little bit more, but um, yeah, I mean, we were both raised in a solid believing home by mom and dad. Um, We've both been in church all of our lives. We've both been serving in church as long as, uh, I mean, since our, since we were teens, I guess, really Uh, we both went to private Christian school. Thank God. Another huge blessing. Um, Mm. So yeah, I mean, all of those things, we were just, 
infinitely blessed work. Yeah, I don't know how you, if you can relate to this on the West Coast, and I'm I'm sure you can because it's everywhere. But we uh, we grew up in what was um, which what would have tied its roots back to uh, a Baptist church, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was very much steeped in legalism. Um, so the culture and structure um, emphasized holiness through behavior, quite literally, quite literally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was probably the the biggest climate of ours growing up at least uh, until I, I would say, geez, I was, you would be six and I'd be 13 was when we made the, the, the change ish area into a, a, a different church. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up that really laid a lot of foundation. Um, I don't want to knock it. Obviously legalism has, it, it puts a, a greater tone on, on the things you do as opposed to the faith you have and who your faith yeah. is in. And that does create a, some barriers into maturing uh, in sanctification, but it certainly laid down a strong biblical framework. Um, I, I don't know, maybe your listeners can relate, but I grew up in Awana. So I have a very deep Awana background (laughs) growing up. I have the, I have, I have the Sparky award, the Cubby award, both Timothy awards. So, uh, got a lot of medals on that jacket. (laughs) I love, (laughs) I love Arlie's face right now. She's looking at you like, what the heck's Awana? Maybe. I was going to ask you, what is that? Like, what is it? It's a kid's program. It's a kid's program. It's the lame Christian version of like, oh yeah. Boy Scouts. It's not as cool as the one you, you know, one you you were talking about. Oh, I forget her name. The guest you had on two weeks ago, the the children's program. um, Andrea. Uh, Andrea. Andrea, Yeah. 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 I wasn't going to say it because you, she, she let you do it in, in your wonderful <laughs> Hispanic accent. And it was so beautiful. I'm never going to try it. Um, but but in in that part, that, it's, not, it's not the same as that. It's more focused on Bible memorization. So it did lay down a strong biblical foundation for us. Um, but we didn't, until we switched churches, we didn't actually really take a giant leap forward in our understanding of um, the process of sanctification, the grace mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ, uh, and how that actually met out into walking us towards maturity and sanctification. Um, but Jesse's story is a little different than mine because by the time Jesse shows up, I'm already seven. Yeah, you got the worst of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I got seven wonderful years without you. It was amazing. <laughs> um, but but my parents, unlike our culture today where abortion is so prevalent, my parent, I was actually conceived before my parents were married. So I actually was. I like to say that I was a love child. Um, and my parents, uh, by the grace of God, did pursue marriage and they were married. And in the inside of that, the, the reason the legalism kind of bridges the gap there is inside of that construct, it would have been much easier to sweep the sin under the rug and maybe have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's no harm, no foul. It's the, in legalism. It's kind of don't ask, don't tell if there's no, yeah. there was no baby, there was no sin kind of an idea. Just keep it quiet. Um, oh, but wow. that's not what they did. They pursued uh, holiness. They are married. They're happily married for how old am I? <laughs> Thirty-eight years now. Seven years oh, old. Wow, nice. Thirty-eight years. They, yeah, it's uh, it's it's awesome. So, so they didn't, and and they they have they've made a, such a wonderful home for us to have grown up in. Interest, interesting Bible verse from Proverbs, by the way. Um, I just read it today. I, I need to memorize it, but it it was the idea that an adulterous woman she she feasts at the table and she wipes her mouth, mm-hmm. and it's like it's that idea that if we can just get rid of what whatever the sin looks like. Yeah. And, and just get it and just keep going on our way. But it's like, that's, that's not how sin works. Yeah. And so right now you guys live in New Jersey, but were you guys raised there? Like, have you lived there your whole life? Yeah. I currently live two blocks away from where I grew up. <laughs> and oh, I live wow. one town over. So from where I grew up, which is one town over from Jesse. Awesome. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about what, you know, the dynamic at home was, how, 
do you remember your parents teaching you about sin? How do you remember your parents introducing the gospel to you guys, you know, from a young age? Well, I got to go first last time, so I guess you get to go first this time. <laughs> I mean, I can I I can share the I I mean I have vivid I have a vivid memory memory of being short-term memory memories. <laughs> memories are deep. When I was about 5 years old, I I I knew that it was when I was five years old, I came home from church. And I remember the Sunday afternoon, just conversing with my parents about the fact that I wanted to know Jesus as my personal savior. Um, and that, again, that's one of, that was one of the joys of being raised in such a um, very structured biblical environment in the church. Um, and I remember praying with them. Um, again, I think, I think there is something to being raised in the church. I don't think that the true awareness of the, the amazing gift that was, um, I think it matures even in the believer as you say, as, as you're saved young to a point. Cause I, I know, I know as a teenager, what became such a, such real life to me in, mm -hmm. in the church, in our schooling, in our home, in our church of the faith in Jesus Christ, that certainly a five-year-old Justin didn't quite understand. Um, but that does not mean a five-year-old Justin did not understand his need for his need for salvation, uh, mm -hmm. through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So but but I, I definitely vividly remember that in our home, in our living room with our little brown terracotta lamps that we had and those long pine furniture pieces randomly. Vividly remember it. Those, those furniture pieces still exist. They still exist. There's couch, <laughs> they don't make couches like they used to. There's couches sure. in my basement that are the same pine couches. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> what um, about for you, Jesse? I guess I don't really remember a time not believing, um, which which is fantastic. I, I think it's fantastic. I'm, I feel blessed. Um, I mean, the, the gospel, even inside of Pharisaism, uh, which, which would be the legalistic upbringing that we were uh, in the churches that we were early on and in the schools, I would say the schools, the Christian schools also that we went to certainly um, very, very Pharisaical, uh, fundamental, fundamentalist type uh, movement. I, I really, I, I honestly do not remember a time where I, where I would not look to Jesus um, for my salvation um, the, the influence was always there, uh, both from my parents and from, uh, you know, my, my school environment as well, which is, I think is a huge blessing. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would say this, um, I would say that I did not, um, truly start, um, really making leaps and bounds in terms of sanctification and my own understanding of my sin and how, how I was to live that out until I was probably about in 10th or 11th grade, uh, in high school, mm -hmm. um, so, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as, as far as a salvific event, I don't really remember one. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I do remember learning and growing very much, uh, you know, as I started to exit high school, uh, and have been ever since Thank regular praise God. Yeah. yeah. It's very interesting. I think we look at watershed moments when it comes to salvation as if it had to be someone, um, it had to be something dramatic. It has to be a dramatic salvation moment. And I don't think I wonder if we've gotten so far from the culture of a familial environment for the Bible and, and the gospel to grow in uh, that we look for these watershed um, dramatic moments of salvation, as opposed to the fact that there's a, there is, there is a, a family in which it's not even noticed as the dramatic watershed moment, because mm -hmm. it is, it is the all, it is the whole of life. It is the yeah. whole of communal life inside the family is around God. And to be sure, your fruit is exemplary of someone who is fully immersed in the gospel. So oh, it's thanks, man. Your your fruit looks obvious. pretty good too. Oh, thanks, 
<laughs> yeah, and I think I've heard that from even some friends when you know when I would invite them and tell them like, oh. Uh, you know, we like to come and share your testimony. And they're like, yeah, you know, I don't have such a dramatic uh, testimony like this person or that person. I'm like, but do you need a savior? Did Jesus have to come and like savior in your life? I'm sure, right? So not all of us have that super dramatic, you know, conversion. I mean, not like a pole conversion, <laughs> you know, like, right, you know right, what right. I mean? <laughs> but we all know that we do need Christ, Christ has to change our life. And then it is a process. And like you said, I mean, I love what you guys said. Like, I don't remember a time not believing in, you know, in Christ. And But it, there is a process of sanctification. And we know that we all struggle in our, you know, in our spiritual walk. And that's where I want to go now. What is, you know, what does the teenage years look for you guys, look like for you guys? What's happening in your life at this point? How is your faith at this moment? Like, you know, what's happening in both of your lives? So I went last. You means you have to go first for the awkward teenage years. <laughs> He's going to go back. <laughs> I'd like to meet the person whose teenage years were like, oh, my teenage years were steeped in like monastic ritual. I, 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 <laughs> I it, was, it was so amazingly hyper-spiritually boring. I can't even tell you. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, feel like, I feel like the weird stories are better. <laughs> yeah, no. Te- yeah, there were definitely some plenty of weird stories for teenage years. Go ahead, Jess. That's yeah. all you, bud. You got oh, that. Thanks, man. <laughs> hey, man. Um, <laughs> Well, uh, I guess I guess I'll I guess I'll start by sharing kind of some of the familial shifts that happened um, as as I was going into those teenage years. Um, I would say around uh, the year 2000 to 2001, uh, my mom was actually diagnosed with a severe clinical depression. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad had owned a fairly lucrative um, landscaping business for I mean, as long as I can remember, I would assume as long as you can remember, too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is correct. He he actually had hold, owned that landscaping business since he got married, pretty much. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. wow. But um, yeah. So, but uh, in two thousand, in the year two thousand two thousand one, uh, God just decided to completely, you know, just throw all of that away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was a period of about how long would you say? Just like three or four years. Two or three years. It was probably a solid year and a half of a solid year and a half. If we had like four. Well, no, I mean. <laughs> I mean, if we wanted to talk, like, to map it out, it was probably a solid year and a half of what would be debilitating depression. Um, this was this is what any psychologist would determine a major um, depressive episode. So our mother, I think the, I think the surrounding context of that is important, too, because when we talk about our mom, we're talking about the essence of what a Proverbs 31 mother was doing. Um, every aspect of the home was uh, managed and cared for. To the point where, probably too well, we struggled when my when my mom faced depression. Things in the house were were grinding to a halt mm-hmm. because uh, when you're talking about someone who is on top of everything in the home, um, our home was probably set up like a <laughs> like you could have done you could have done a a show in the house in any room at any given time, um, and that's that's how she cared for her home. Yeah, I mean, um, like vacuumed several times a week, dusted several times a week. I mean, wow. sheets, daily sheets laundry, were, daily laundry, sheets were washed all the time. Homemade, fresh cooked meal every night. Yeah, mm. um, and and that's the level of care she put into her home. So but when I would say a little bit of that Pharisaism, almost. Oh, know. for sure. That she she would be the first to tell you that that part of that pressure uh, that that works mentality led to uh, a lot of the weight that she had had carried and mm. and. 
that but that brings us to where you were going she a year and so for about a year and a half she had she was in bed the the crying was she would not have been able to tell you why she was crying why she was sad why she was unable to leave the bed um but when i say it was very real and very debilitating it was it was both of those things and so that's where that's where your story kind of picks up there yeah so i was probably about 10 ish when that all kind of went down mm-hmm. um I mean, without going into like every single detail, I mean, there, there were specific times, um, uh, you know, some scary times, even we would, we would rent a shore house down, uh, in ocean city. Um, you know, New Jersey, ocean city, New ocean Jersey. city, New Jersey, and yeah, not ocean city, Maryland. That place is and that, just to be clear for your listeners, that is not the Jersey shore. That weird place <laughs> is up in North Jersey towards New York. Yeah. We don't mess with that. That's not us. South yep. Jersey shore is a nice, good, good. friendly place to come. <laughs> There's no gym tan laundry down there. Yeah. It's 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 a great place to go to the beach. family. Yes, yeah, it's a <laughs> Sorry, great. <laughs> Good. Okay, now that we're clear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I I do remember one time uh, being there where you know we, we're just like, wait a second, where's mom? And she had just completely. I don't know if you remember this. She had completely. She she left, and we had no idea where she was. And then dad went out like looking for her, and, and thank God found her and stuff like that. But I mean, like just moments like that, like just severe severe depression um through through that whole process my dad ended up just completely re reconfiguring his idea of what family looked like you know i mean just really was able the gospel just washed over him and really changed him so much in that time ended up um getting rid of his business spent more time at home spent more time uh in investing in our mom investing in i would say you and i you know as as members of his family um, when you think of a servant leader, like you, it, if you know my father, you know that that's exactly um, what he is. God, God used those those years to really shape him into an an amazing, humble, strong, um, very much honorable and imitatable man um, that I would say is certainly next to none, especially in our lives. I would say, Amen. Um, but uh, you know, moving moving from moving from there, um, yeah, that was ten. Yeah, how's that get the thirteen-year-old Jesse? I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. We're getting there. But uh, how did that, uh, that were you guys mind just sharing? Like, how did this affect you guys? Like, how do you respond to this situation? Especially because you know, I mean, it's your mom, you know, and she's the one who's supposed to be, you know, taking care of you know the family. How are you guys responding to the situation, and how do you right. deal with this whole thing? So we immediately had to kind of figure out what it was like to like do laundry and cook and maintain the semblance of home that we had had it we had to we had to literally take that on we had to learn that for jesse being 10 it was probably a little bit of a different paradigm for me at the time i was 17 so i was in my senior year Mm. end of my junior year into my senior year um and and with that kind of mindset i was much more of a arrogant teenager jerk than anything else i don't know how to say i mean just to be can confirm yeah to be to be completely honest um so for me it was having the the hardship was not was not the fear of my mom i think the hardship was not being you know a jerk Mm -hmm. i i had to i had to not be a jerk and i i would be the first to tell you that i did not succeed at that at all times Mm um but i had I had to, I'm, I was just, I was 17. I was driving. I was, I had, I was dating my wife at the time. Um, and 
I mean, it, it kind of just launches into my testimony. So I guess your your, your teenage years just have to wait because I'm older. So it came first for me. See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to that. No, my my. So that's that's about seventeen. That that really enters. Uh, so so I God God absolutely carried us through that. Um, so from the the summer of my junior year into our senior year um, was a constant building of all that time where I would normally have just devoted to myself like a jerky teenager had to be balanced. So there was expectations of me at my home mm-hmm. and appropriate and right expectations that perhaps a 17 year old did not grasp as he should have. Um, and it was, it definitely changed the dynamic of, of the call to the ha- the home, but all through that, Jesse is absolutely correct in that, in the, in the modeling of our father, who is probably the hardest working man in all the land outside of, you know, Dwayne, who is the hardest working man in podcasting, but my, our dad is the hardest working man in, in every, in every aspect of the land. And he uh, definitely modeled that by picking up um, all the pieces that he could. Um, and God granted him grace upon grace to do so. Uh, but moving into my senior year and, and still dating my wife at the time, um, I, I think, I think about halfway through, I started to get really disconnected. Um, I was, I was usually voted the class chaplain although I never ran um I was the good kid and Mm -hmm. and I was also still very popular because I was the person that knew the bible but also knew how to have fun and I hopefully still I hopefully still am that person (laughs) I hope I still am that person I I mean a better version Uh, yes a much more sanctified version (laughs) yes by God's grace (laughs) thank you Lord thank you Lord um but uh but I, I just remember walking through that's that year started uh, that year started for us with um, September 11th. That was the beginning there of that. Yeah. That, that, that started our, our school year off and walking through that school year about halfway through, I really, I think I really started to struggle with what God had called me, had me called to do here. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I felt like there was, I really felt like this is going to really date me, but there was a Chris, you know, who Chris Rice is. He's an old school contemporary Christian listener. You're he's your older audience. will totally it's probably play. deconstructed by now. <laughs> right, yeah, everyone, probably my everyone's audience. deconstructed. <laughs> um, but he sang a song that was called Smell the Color Nine. And the point was you can't smell the color nine. It was there was his point was I, I see all these people that are that seem to be having dramatic interactions with God. Mm-hmm. Yet for for him having these interactions with God was like trying to smell the color nine. Like God was out there, but he couldn't actually feel him or, or, or be connected to him. Why were all these other people having these opportunities? But the point was God, like grace is sufficient for you mm-hmm. um, in the song. And I kind of think that's where my, then in my senior year really, really kind of spells that out. I entered my jerk phase as my wife calls it, my wonderful wife, a beautiful. Amazing <laughs> wife. Um, I went on a mission trip to Bosnia at the end of my senior year. Um, I ended up missing our, my, my senior year formal dance because we were, we went to, we went to Bosnia through the church. Um, and my assumption spiritually going into it was almost a Gideon fleece situation where I was putting out a fleece <laughs> like, all right, maybe God's not here, but he must be there. He must be over there. Um, and perhaps I will interact. I will have us have a, a, a dramatic interaction with God. If I go overseas and serve him over there, um, and I came back from that, having not found God over there, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, not that he didn't work through the mission trip, um, but that I did not feel I got what I was looking for in my selfish 18-year-old head. Um, and that summer, 
heading into my first year, my first semester of college was definitely a dark time. <laughs> um, and, and God used that though, and my wife, uh, and, and my, my father to really wake me up on the other side <laughs> of the summer mm-hmm. and say, what is wrong with you? Like <laughs> it's a real RC sprawl moment. What, what is wrong, wrong with you people? <laughs> I it was love just that like that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and to shake me out of it. Um, and the realization is that you, you think you can't find God here, that you'll find him somewhere else. God is always, always right here, always mm-hmm. right here. And he was walking through my mom's depression. He was walking through, um, me feeling in my, my self pity to, to call me back to himself, to tell mm-hmm. me to pull my head out of my butt and actually wake up for his kingdom. And I think that did dramatically change how I then began to live life out my going into college in that just in the short, the short year and a half that was from when mom got depressed to, to, to me graduating and, and starting college. So how would Justin, how will you describe Justin before Christ and how will you describe Justin after Christ? How would I describe him or how would he describe him? Well, I'm yeah, I'm Justin. How will you describe yourself before Christ and then after Christ? Like, I'm pretty sure she was talking to you, but you're looking at me like I'm supposed to. (laughs) It seemed like a better question for you because um, I'm talking. No, no, you're great. You're the one. She's the interviewer. I should let you ask the questions Um, (laughs) before uh, before Christ. It's not so much before Christ. It's 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 I think it was more of a um, of a wanting wanting to deny Christ for myself. And so before in that time, my my God was not God. My God was myself. And the scriptures are very clear about how what what a bad God we make. We make a horrible, horrible God, um, Mm -hmm. a fickle, capricious God. And so so in that time, um, driven by my desires, it was it was fluctuating from everything. I mean, I changed the kind of music I listened to. Um, geez, it wasn't this was this was so before like social media and stuff. I'm like, what else did I change? Did I change my <laughs> did I change my 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 circle outline on my social media filter? I, no, I, I, I wasn't any of that. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I do have a really funny. I listened to bad music. I listened to bad music i, I just I, I ignored god what about friends what about like your speech what about your attitude up. that's great that's great i grew up in a geez my attitude so my, my my speech has always been questionable god is just in a constant redemption process there <laughs> but but as far as everyone's got their thorn in their flesh I guess. every um all right so friends is it's always i've always had a small circle of friends um and that's a small Christian school. It's a, in South Jersey, you know, everybody, it's the smallest place in the world. Um, and, and so the, the circle of friends, like, even if I had tried to find the bad friends, like the bad friends weren't like bad people. Like it would be hard to take, <laughs> there's a very small gradation in the small, yeah. the, the, the small kind of community that was, that we had for us, which by God's grace, truly, because if I'd found actually a really bad group of friends, um, yeah. I'm to say, look, I did manual labor my whole life. If I wanted to find bad people to hang out with, there was no shortage of that. Oh, manual labor, manual labor can be a, a Starbucks and Chick-fil-A were not manual labor jobs. No, but there was like my whole life before that, where all I did was work outside and in, in labor in landscaping. Do you, you well, I geez, mean, you act like you came on the scene and life started. <laughs> It's just not true. Well, you said all my life, and that's that. You're also, seven years that? behind me. <laughs> You're talking about twenty-four-year-old Justin. 
Gee whiz. I forgot. We haven't hit the 20s yet. My bad. <laughs> um, after Christ, though, was a dramatic change. I spent a lot more. I spent incredibly focused time on learning and maturing in my faith. I dove into uh, engaging in leadership at church and wanting to be um, used by God. And it not only dramatically changed my life, I, it dramatically changed my wife's life, um, whose, whose parents had um, had to leave the state for work. Her father's work had called her. They wanted to keep their house. She stayed behind, stayed at the house. Um, I was going at that point when God got a hold of me, I had started going to my church faithfully. I was diving into what it looked like to help lead in youth group. I was also then attending her church at night because she didn't, she wanted to remain connected to her church. Um, her church was similar to our first church, a very, uh, very legalistic, uh, mindset in their, in their church. Like I, I showed up one Sunday night in shorts. Mm-hmm. Oh, the pastor, no, the pastor had to have a conversation with me. you were not allowing the church <laughs> it was one of those it's one of those there's like real passive aggressive oh. oh hey hey justin came in shorts did you I kind of, like, of course me i'm like yeah well you have it's such like, you it's have like such nice ankles hot, you just had man, to show them summer it's the calves it's all in the calves all people the get calves. jealous it's a jealousy <laughs> issue um and and through that, even through the faithfulness, though, that God grew up in my heart to serve him at our church and eventually called my wife. She became part of our church. We we dove hard into youth ministry for, geez, like 10 years of our lives. We we were there probably 40 hours a week. Wow. <laughs> as, as, lay, as lay ministers in the church. Um, and, uh, and that, that, so, so before Christ, it was, it was selfishness. I was complete. I was my own God and I made a bad God. And when God got a hold of my heart and he became God, it changed, it changed my whole paradigm of life because mm-hmm. it was focused on what actually glorifies him as opposed to what glorifies me. Not that that's like, that's not, there's no perfectionism in there at all. Um, that is a <laughs> general view. I certainly know. Right. Okay. To be clear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, that was that was great. And now I'm going to pass it on to Jesse. So let's pick it up from you're 10 years old and then tell me a little bit about, you know, how your life goes all the way to the teenage years and what did it look, you know, what did your life look like before Christ and then after Christ as well? Man, I have to remember what I was doing when I was 10. Jeez. <laughs> I would like, forward. how are you responding to your mom's um, situation? You know, like you're a 10 year old. Like, did you know what was happening? Did you understand, you know, like how did that affect you? I'm going to say probably not, but I've got a really terrible memory. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I do, I do remember certain things, but I don't really remember what, what catastrophically changed in my life that made things terribly different other than mom was really sad and depressed all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I really, I honestly don't know how to answer that question. Um, okay. I do know that my mom was very different after, um, mm-hmm. like as she started recovering, um, just soaking herself in good Christian music with Christian lyrics that she could just put on in her head or she always had music in the bath. My mom would get ready. Justin takes after it. My mom would get ready for like two hours in the morning in the bathroom, showering and fixing her hair. And, you know, Justin's very much the same way. And um, <laughs> we're going to have a talk after this. That's Meaning, for sure. Like a woman. <laughs> Um, no, but I mean, she would always, I mean, you can test this. She always had music going. Um, she, you know, and even to this day, she's always got a podcast going. She's always got music going, just trying to fill her head constantly with, with, uh, things that are true. Um, the promises of God helped her tremendously. 
um, because she could always run to those even when she doesn't feel something she can say god no god said this he he said this and he said this about me and so i can trust that mm-hmm. uh, i i do remember um she she learned a lot about sheep and shepherding there was a book i mean so psalm 23 obviously was a really really big part of of understanding her her place as just a silly sheep but but also as god as as such a great great shepherd and caretaker you know loving and gentle and kind and uh and corrective and just everything we need uh, I do remember those things being pretty big instruments, um, yeah. you know, throughout that process. I mean, um, as I'm becoming a teenager, I started, I started dating my wife the same year Justin got married, uh, which was 2013. Ooh, 16. let's pray your wife is not listening to this later on. <laughs> 16, final answer. You're saying you started dating your wife in 2016, is that correct? Uh, yes. You're sure about that answer? Wait, you no. started dating no. your wife at, in 2016? Wait, 2000, nope, 2006. That was five Thank years you. ago. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> 2006 for the win, that's correct. That's when I got Justin's married. the one with his associate's degree in math, so I, I'm really bad. <laughs> All right, I thought that I was really bad with math, but... <laughs> He is correct. In 2006, I married my beautiful wife, and that is when he and his beautiful wife started dating. That is correct. Okay, good that we have uh, Justin here. (laughs) Wait till I tell his wife that they've only been dating for five years. 2016 was the year that the nation's political landscape changed for forever. I I remember that now. Oh my gosh. Well, you don't lie when you say that you have a bad memory, Jesse. (laughs) Hey. All right. Well, you made it, everybody. Uh, so in 2006, I started dating my wife. Uh, we, I mean, I was, I think, 15 going on 16. She was 16 um, at the time. Uh, I still have got a really goofy picture of me and her at your wedding, actually. Uh, that was every picture with Jesse <laughs> since this past year was pretty much a goofy picture with Jesse. Yeah. He really came into his own once he realized he should shave his head and grow a beard. He came into his own. Yeah. But uh, before that, oh, it was up and down. Let's just say <laughs> mostly, mostly down. Mostly down. It's not wrong. I mean, that's probably why I got married so young. I knew it wasn't going to get any better at all. Um, no, but um, so, I mean, when I was uh, 15 going on 16, I started dating Hannah. You have uh, to see my husband here. He's listening to you guys, too. He's like. Uh, <laughs> that's correct. That is exactly that, what that's happened. literally the trajectory. Sorry, yes. I had to say it. No, that's me. It's pre, a good thing. Pre-marriage and post-marriage. It's that's, a good thing because yeah. Hannah really, really likes fixer-uppers. And that's just, uh, oh. <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm sure she would love to go on the podcast and talk about how terrible, how terrible <laughs> we are. Um, but anyway, so, uh, you know, started dating her. And uh, really, honestly, I mean, a huge part of, a huge part of my teen years um, was wrapped up in, you know, dating her and being with her. Uh, getting to know her more. I mean, it's it's at that time that Justin, at this point, Justin's really hardcore and really focused in on ministry and serving and serving with his wife. I've never seen, um, I've never seen a young married couple serve in the church as much as I've seen my brother and his wife. Oh man, uh, that's like, a, that's like when we were doing systematic theology in our house. You remember you were there? It was that was like that was like. You don't remember that? Nope, don't nope. remember that. <laughs> we did weekly systematic theology. We walked through, uh, practically walked through like almost chapter by chapter like we actually what, what was it who was I, I was using um it may have been grudem's 
systematic theology wow. we were just walking through that kind of sad i missed that actually no, you were there I, you were in my living room i mean i'm kind of sad Hannah. i don't remember that actually <laughs> that's fair you and hannah were there i would make printouts from now on justin just record everything for jesse please so he can go and rewatch everything. and remember I'm young a lot's happened it's why we record everything arlie we we just don't remember anything nowadays uh so yeah i i started dating her um and, you know, really, really, my high school was really wrapped up in that. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> like you're looking at me some kind of way. I just love you, man. Oh, thanks. Um, I, oh, I mean, I love you too, man. <laughs> nice fruit. Oh, gosh. Um, so, you know, started dating started Hannah. Honestly, it really wasn't, I mean, turning a terrible corner. Uh, it really wasn't too long after I started dating Hannah that um, she, I, I, I remember exactly where I was. Um, but she, she informed me that she was actually being, um, sexually assaulted, um, in her home by one of her brothers. And like, I, I was just a teenager at the time we had been dating for, I mean, it, it couldn't have been a year even, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so that, that just opened up a, God used that event to create a completely different trajectory from any sort of trajectory Jesse had <laughs> in his mm-hmm. mind of what high school was supposed to look like, um, you know, and, uh, that was, that was a, a terrible thing. I was the first person she ever told, uh, and it, it was an honor and a privilege to be that for her. You know, uh, the first person that, that I ran to, uh, was my parents. I said, I said, look, Hannah, I'm like, I feel like we need to talk to my parents about this. Um, and she did. And then th- that just started a really long, I think a great pause point just to clarify there is going to pause right here. And, uh, I got where you're at. I have a clarification point here. Yeah. Just to say that one it, moment of clarity, please. What prepared my parents for that moment is because, my having walked through the the, the necess, necessary biblical counseling my mother needed while she was suffering from depression spurred both of my parents um, deeply into a, a, a love for biblical counseling. Um, and they spent you know, many hours invested into understanding, reading, learning. Um, they, they attended the yearly conference from uh, the Christian Counseling Education Foundation, which is an organization in um, uh, Philadelphia. Glenn Mills. Glenn Mills, PA. It was in Philadelphia a while ago. Really? Yeah. Things so, I didn't know. So uh, I was probably going through Sistio at your house at that time. <laughs> yeah, that's right, baby. So, <laughs> so they they threw themselves into that. Um, my, my dad pursued um, accreditation through a counseling program. They they fell in love with the the understanding of of God's mercy and grace, growing us through uh, trials and sin. They became very deeply invested. Um, in the process of sanctification through the scripture there and, and applying that in a biblical counseling. And that actually moved them right to be in a, a great spot mm. for when Hannah was able to open up to you and yeah. you were able to go to them. That, that was a great clarification, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, CCEF, the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation, still pumps out tons of awesome resources. Um, just amazing for there, I think their tagline is what uh, restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to, to the, the church. church. Yep. That was very, very yeah. good. Um, so yeah, I mean, just, just years of walking through that. I mean, everything got complicated. It complicated our relationship with, with her family. Um, it, it was one of her brothers that, that was, that was one of the perpetrators. It was, it, it got very extremely messy and very tense for very many years. It was an extremely difficult thing for Hannah to walk through. But by the grace of God, he's, he's used her testimony um, to, to help so many people. Um, we actually did like a, a kind of a, a sexual assault, kind of almost like a focus. We called it Real Recovery Sunday at, at the church that we used to attend. It was, it was really kind of a conference, a weekend conference that yeah. the church held. Um, so he, he, he used it to work in that. And then um, you're actually approached by a guy 
um, that had us record a video for one of the conferences he did down in Texas at uh, Matt Chandler's church, actually. Um, that was, that was pretty cool, but, but God's been able to use her testimony through that. Um, but through that recovery process, there was church hurt because churches, uh, often are ill-equipped to actually handle that kind of thing, which is terrible because it's a fairly frequent occurrence and pretty devastating as well. Um, so there's church hurt involved. There's familial bonds that are just kind of really being stretched to the breaking point. Um, you know, and, uh, God really, God really walked me through walking her, um, just kind of that recovery process. I mean, I, I certainly had no even framework absolutely like at all to deal with talking to someone with, with that kind of story and background. Um, and I, I'm just so thankful that, that she, that she plowed ahead and that she, she stuck through and was faithful with, with going through. And I mean, I believe it's Ephesians five where it talks about when, when we expose the works of darkness and bring them into the light, it, it, they literally lose their power, no power and grip over us. And that's exactly what those kind of like middle to late teen years were for, for us. I mean, as, as a couple and as individuals, um, really, really was that process. And, and during that whole time, you know, that, that middle to late high school was when I was really starting to, uh, be changed by Christ in, in my heart, you know, that, that 10th and 11th grade is when, is when really God started to, to change me and mold me and help me understand so much more just about how, what we are supposed to actually be doing as Christians, because I'd been in such a Christian saturated environment that, um, you know, not everything was biblical or right, or actually what, 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 we're, what we're actually doing, what we're actually called to do instead of doing things we're not actually called to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, through that whole process, God just really used those, those middle to late teen years to just kind of completely just rework all that. So, I mean, I, I would say to answer that question that you posed, Justin, before that, I would say I was, uh, I also don't think I was a bad kid. I was obviously very sedentary. I didn't really do much of anything. Uh, I read and played video games. <laughs> he was really allergic to sports. Yeah, he, gave, he broke out of hives. Short, shortness awful. of breath. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no diagnosis of asthma, though, because in order to be diagnosed with asthma, you'd have to do some cardio. I'm kidding. Uh, he's a stress test for me. You just didn't like sports. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're most generally any activity that was on my legs. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't really get into much trouble. Fine, like yeah, was great. He was really good at that. <laughs> I didn't get his into a lot of trouble. Yeah, right here. Super imposable. Yep. This is his workout. <laughs> you don't get into a lot of trouble if you don't, you know, do anything. <laughs> so true. Uh, but I, I, I did. I read a lot of books. I played a lot of video games, um, you know, and that was kind of that was kind of it. Dated a really the, the most beautiful looking girl that. You know, any of my friends had ever seen. We both outkicked really our coverage. We way outkicked our coverage. Way, I mean, no offense to your husband, but he way outkicked his coverage too. So yep. he's there. He knows. He knows. You know, if you, he's, yeah, good. Thumbs up. Yep. That's he's right. Laughing. He yeah, he's it's true. Smiling over there. He's Christian men understand. We understand what we've done. God has been <laughs> gracious to us. But uh, but yeah, and I mean, you know, this might be another interesting transition because towards towards the late teen years, um, into the twenties. You know, you know, I mean, you had been married for a while. I was, I got married three days after I turned 20 in 2011. Um, well done. July 2nd, 2011, for the record, is when I got married. Oh, my um, birthday, July 2nd. Oh, no way. Jazz hands. Nice. <laughs> now I guess we have to exchange gifts. I don't know. In sign weird? language, this is, this is cheering. Just leave me alone, Jesse. Is it? Yeah. Oh, is that why they do jazz hands? Yeah. 
Is that what well, jazz, hands jazz is? people do jazz hands because they're like, ah. But when you do this, <laughs> when you do this in sign language, it, it shows that you're excited and cheering. You I wish what? the mic hadn't caught that noise. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, you, so you were this, married July, July, uh, July 2nd, 2nd, 2011. Yeah. So, I mean, a, as that was happening, you know, our ministry paradigm was shifting dramatically. Dramatically. Um, I mean, you know, there was there was the the Pharisaical fundamentalist phase, and then there was this kind of uh, I would call it just typical American evangelical phase. Um, you know, we went to a Bible Bible believing Bible preaching church. Um, I would not call them heretical in any by any nope. stretch of the imagination. Correct. But, but as far as ministry philosophy and practicality, um, you know, the, the older I got and the more I, the more I read, the more I listened to, the more I was exposed. Um, you know, people like John Piper, people like, you know, at the time, Mark Driscoll, um, you know, Matt Chandler at the time, Tim Keller at the time, and all of these are great qualifications, but, you know, th- yeah, you're throwing they, a whole lot of qualifications there, buddy. I'm just, boy, you know, gotta be nuanced, I guess. But, um, you know, just learning and growing a lot about different ministry paradigms and just kind of seeing like, okay, this typical, this typical American evangelical church isn't actually you know acts two it's it's not it's not what the church looked like in the new testament um in as far as how we how we operated this operates more like a business or what we like to say is church inc um not it, la- it's the attractional model to attract into the church yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and you know i mean the great commission is is ascending out and so mm-hmm. it, it's a missional church um and so our, our ministry paradigm really changed. And, you know, my, our father was an elder there um, at, at that church. He was an elder there for 15 years. Um, and <laughs> his father was a deacon there. And, and on his way out the door, they gave him an ESV Bible because, I mean, gosh knows an elder doesn't have one of those by, net, by the time they've been eldering for 15 years. <laughs> like, this is John Gruber's last Sunday. We got you this. This ESV, ESV study, Bible. study Bible. He still has. He still has it. No, I have it. Oh, you have it. I, I use it on Sundays at church. It's great. Oh, that's hilarious! What a great way to redeem that gift. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Now that I have a Bible, maybe I can grow in the Lord. Like I, I don't know. A gift card for Chili's probably would have been better. Actually, yeah, take your wife on a date here, buddy. Jeez. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it led to a lot of challenges in in those the, in that time frame, the late teens, early twenties, um, where we didn't didn't confront the leadership there but we we started asking questions that were definitely not being received well yeah at that point it would have been looking at about the seventh year of me and my wife having ministered heavily at that church this is that time frame where we would have been putting in literally when me and my wife moved stepped away from the positions in youth group we were in they immediately needed to hire two part-time people to do what we had been doing in the youth group just as lay ministers Mm -hmm. um and this is when Jesse had grown up in that youth group and is now married with his wife and now looking to step into ministry as well yeah. at that same time at now at that that's about seven, yeah, about seven years into that. So, yeah, I mean, as, as a young adult, I was, I was helping teach the junior high Sunday schools. Um, yeah. I was doing a lot of the tech stuff for our young adults ministry that, that you were essentially leading. Our dad was the elder overseeing that ministry. Yep. Um, you know, eventually, eventually stuff broke down. There's, there's a lot of hurt there. A lot of it, uh, a lot of it's been reconciled um, to the praise and glory of God. Amen. Um, but through that process in 2012, we planted uh, Missio Day Church in Glassboro, New Jersey. Um, and we've been doing that ever since. So there's, there's a segue into a different section of our lives. 
And uh, I know that Jesse was sharing a little bit about the things that he probably struggled and saw in his life and the process of sanctification. So in your own life, what were some of the things that you saw yourself or found yourself struggling, you know, in your own spiritual walk? And how did you see your the Lord grow you on that, Jesse? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, he he really just completely flipped my idea of Christianity kind of upside down. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I grew up learning catechisms. I grew up, uh, memorizing Bible verses and in the King James, of course, but I grew up memorizing Bible verses, um, you know, grew up around this dogma about what, what men and women were allowed to wear, what music you were allowed to listen to, what type of, you know, uh, liquids you were allowed to drink and how long your skirts needed to be and what your hair needed to look like and how many piercings you were allowed or not allowed to have, you know, and they get me started on tattoos right now. Jeez. Oh man, bro. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but, you know, that's the type of fundamental pharisaical environment we're talking about. And as, as we're coming, as we're coming out of that and into this more middle, middle kind of American evangel, this church Inc, you know, mm -hmm. as we're coming out into that, there was much more freedom. And so like we, I, I got to listen to, you know, Toby Mac back in the day and I, I was allowed to, you know, bro still going strong, dude. He's, you know, he's not young. He's not. <laughs> whatever, he's going to lose a hip on that stage one time. You better watch out. And you know what? He's going to get a hip replace of gold because anyway, um, <laughs> because he can. I don't know yeah. where you're going with that, dude. I mean, okay. the man's got money. I mean, all right. All right. Look, he's look, been doing look. it for so long. That's so what I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you, it's my fault. Train derailed. Let's figure out something. No, I'm just kidding. So you had the freedom to listen to Christian contemporary Christian music, like yeah. Christian hip hop and such. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, you too, man. But, uh, you know, but that that really even wasn't the start of the growth. I mean, understanding church as as having a clear mission, none of that was great commission focused. None of that was go and make disciples. All of that was you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to look this way, you need to look that way. And it was all it was all spinning everyone back into the cycle of church, 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 mm -hmm. not not out into the community, um, not community ministry, not evangelizing. Um, it's tacitly a way of trapping people into um, Christian stagnancy. It's 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 exactly like it's it's the it's the eleventh commandment. It's niceness. It wraps legalism in a nice in a niceness package. So what you feel like you're doing? Oh, look, I'm ministering at the church, but all you're doing is talking to the same people without ever actually engaging the word in a dynamic way to impact them and change them. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I, I always, no, I, I don't mean to cut you off. I feel like I just cut you off. I mean, you did. So, I mean, just keep going. <laughs> so one of the, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like one of the, um, the big issues is, is there was so much self-help focus in, in the church that it didn't actually spin into Christian maturity. Go ahead. Okay. And I mean, during that time, uh, you, you actually helped me think that I appreciate you. Um, you know, during that time, I mean, you know, the family, the, the tense family dynamics with, with Becca and her family that Justin was walking through the, the extremely tense family dynamics that Hannah was going through with her assault. Like we're over here, like, and, and with our mom with depression and all that stuff, we're over here, like, Hey, we got problems over here, you know, like, but, but the church really, it was, we, we actually sought out a lot of those really good gospel helps. The, the local church played a role, but certainly not, not nearly as central or integral as a role as it should have played. 
-hmm. lot of that help was outsourced to other people or other organizations. And, and we're like, we're like, okay, we're just one family and we have all these problems, right? Like we can't be the only ones with all of these problems. And so like, what is the church actually doing? Like, is the church actually helping people? Are we actually building intimacy into one another's lives in, in, in community? Like we see in the beginning chapters of acts as the church is exploding, mm -hmm. people knowing each other, people knowing what needs they have, people being able to, to sell their possessions and meet those needs. I mean, do we have that level of commitment to one another as the body of Christ to actually inconvenience ourselves for your sake? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we just kind of like kept looking around, like what's going on. Um, in essence, it's, it's uh, what was, was it? The, is it the church of Laodicea that was lukewarm I in like revelation? It, it's that that's kind of what God pulled. Mm -hmm. I think you out of, uh, I mean, all of us, our lives are so, so parallel. It's just, we're hitting these points at different ages really yeah. in many yeah. ways, but it's that that spiritual stagnancy because you're as lukewarm. I've spit you from my mouth. You're neither cold nor hot. You're neither, you're neither refreshing nor useful. And so I've spit yeah. you out and that's what God kind of pulled. I think you, you from. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he turned that pilot light back on and pumped that temperature up. Turned you into some useful boiling water. He sure did. Boiling hot water. <laughs> Coming in hot. South Jersey. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and so it, it was from that. I mean, just just kind of looking at the church and being like, yeah, this isn't really church. Um, you know. And so dramatic things took place really fast after that. Yeah, I mean, we left. And then I, I feel like I feel like it wasn't even a year. It was just a few months later. We're like, you know, we had kind of been thinking of like church planning. We've been so, toying around with it. Here's the, here's how it went. Tell me how it went because the Jesse, details are fuzzy for me. <laughs> was this Jesse's, before or after the Sistio? Jesse's tried to block out after the Sistio. This. this is after Sistio. Okay, all right. She's tried to block this out from his mind, but what down. basically happened at that point when Jesse was doing um, junior high Sunday school, I was leading. I was leading junior high youth group. The senior pastor would, the not senior pastor, the youth pastor would lead senior high. I would lead junior high jesse was doing junior high uh, sunday school he was doing things like uh just just having the junior high over to watch movies and break them down with a biblical paradigm um engaging culture yeah it, it, it yeah. was what it was and in doing that he ticked off some parents that spun out of control oh my goodness Listen, there's lots of things we're talking about th movies like iron man okay we're not talking about anything like next we're not talking about like saw or like anything super crazy. We're talking Jesse's about, like, hey, church kids, come over and watch Hostel 2, and we're going right, to see what yeah. happened. Break it down with the scriptures. <laughs> this person's death really symbolizes. Like, no, we didn't. <laughs> Look at the way their head splinters off to the side. <laughs> no, that, we're talking about Iron Man. And, and trying to put, it, put that into a biblical paradigm. How do we analyze that from a Christian perspective? Just simple things like that. And, yeah. uh, and that basically turned into, geez, almost dying to church discipline for you, you heathen. Uh, yeah, I, I, I sat down. Two elders came over to my house and um, told me I wasn't allowed to serve anymore um, at the church. They told wow. me that my wife also wasn't allowed to serve anymore at the church. Um, I asked them, you know, why is this, you know, it, like there are other people like, like, so at that point, I had actually sent a letter to the elders starting the conversation about um rescinding my membership at the church um mainly because a lot of these a lot of the things that we just talked about the the dissatisfaction with church inc um really was just laying heavy on my heart and i i really i wanted to be part of something that was actually doing something not something that was yeah. just being a silo for whatever lukewarm christianity you know is and through that um i, I guess they had granted their request i never really got i guess an official you know anything back from them um, but 
you know, two elders show up at my house, tell me we can't serve. I said, well, is this because I'm not a member anymore? And they said, no, no, it's because you're in direct defiance of the elders. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Wait a second. Let's back, let's, let's back up. Let's back up a hot second. When did this happen? <laughs> um, you know, the, 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 there, were, there were claims against me that were unsubstantiated. Um, and, you know, it, I, I'll never forget probably growing up, in within Christianity, you know, you would hear these stories of people getting hurt by the church, hurt by the church, hurt by the church. And I'm like that. Well, why are people getting hurt by the church? <laughs> um, but, but there's, there's the, the, that moment for me was when um, that very next Sunday, they, they announced to our crosswalk group, our, our young adult group that you were, that you were kind of heading up and that I was serving in. Um, they announced to them that, that me and Hannah would no longer be serving there. And they said that it was because we were not members. And it, my mom, I, I will never forget my mom literally holding me down in my seat because I'm like, you explicitly told me that it was not because of my membership. I'm like, you're, you're lying to my friends and you're making something look like something that it's not. And that was just, you know, kind of sleazy to me. But uh, like I said, I have reconciled with a lot of the leaders at that church. Um, God used the men at our church actually to convict me of that. But um, right. But additionally, I, I wouldn't say again, I think <laughs> so many people we'll use that hurt by the church as a badge. That's not what Jesse wears it as. It's not that it's not like, Oh, I've been hurt by the church. Cause the church, no, the, the church, the I haven't church, deconstructed. You're right. With the church, the church is made up of broken people that, that also do broken things. And I don't think that that's good. There's any church that that does not happen in, but the reality of it was, is that, 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 that that's shoe drop, so to speak. And then the next shoe to drop, was my father who was obviously having issues with how they were handling this and basically that turned into him saying look i'm 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 gonna have to leave this is you guys are no longer moving towards basically they were moving much much more to a cloistered attractional model and he's like this is not what the gospel's called us to do guys we are our building's not open to the to the to the community we're we're not pushing out with our people um, I will say, and let, let's do that. So that's the second shoot to drop. And then me and my wife just bitterly clinging on <laughs> in the church. Um, and, and eventually I, this, this literally happened at a time when I had uh, the, the bottom, geez, when is this? this is the bottom, bottom had dropped out from um, the housing market. And so everybody was reeling. So this is 2012. Yeah, that makes sense. At this point, I, I think I was working for Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks was hey, getting rid of all Starbucks. of its <laughs> manual of labor. Starbucks. <laughs> <sighs> when you were a baby, okay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, Those barista deadlifts, man. <laughs> I'm just trying. The God's giving me grace here. <laughs> so when I was working at Starbucks, they got rid of the assistant manager position, which I was at the time, and I was looking for something to do. And I, we, they had just were ready to hire another part-time position in the youth group, youth ministry. And I applied and uh, they said that I was, I was unqualified. And I was like, okay, God, you're, you're showing me clearly. You're closing, you're closing doors. You're clear closing doors. Yeah. I said, guys, you're telling me I'm not qualified to do something that I had done for eight years with you were all elders while I was doing it. Yeah. So you all then left that church, you, your yes, wife, I, and then Jesse, uh, Jesse and Hannah, then my mom and dad, and then me and my wife, I would say it was a span of about four months. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's uh, like, I don't know. <laughs> and then it was basically like, all right, where are we going to, we were a close family. Where are we going to go serve God next? Cause we need to be serving him. We need to be a member, members of a church. Well, actually, you know what? The, 
a moment of clarity. Oh, now it's now you're eliminated. I feel like after after I left and after dad left, that's when we started toying with the idea of planning a church. I mean, Nathan was, you know, you're you're in Becca's close friend for forever. Uh, He also was with us then. Um, And then I think by the time you left, we had it in our heads that that's what we wanted to do. Because I I feel like I distinctly remember you approaching them and saying, hey, can we take some of these people from our college and career group to, to help and start plant? plan a new church no do you remember I, that? I do not i do not recall that in fact i the time the only time i remember god opening because i remember them that, saying yeah sure take them and i was like wait what <laughs> i do not remember that at all i when i no i did not leave intending to plan a church oh okay uh i had a conversation I with a you. local church planter whose church that we were we were we were basically saying look we've come to your church a couple of weeks where we were really able to, we're able to invest where we don't, we don't go halfway for the kingdom. Um, and I remember, I, I remember saying though, that, that I, I also didn't know if God was calling me to, to, to either church plant or pastor. And his reaction was almost without stop that if you feel called to plant a church, you should pursue that because we need hundreds of more gospel centered biblical churches in this area. Mm. And that, that kind of stopped me in my tracks because just from a pragmatic standpoint, if you're a church planner and you're looking at a couple that'll come in and give you 30, 40 hours a week to help you plant the church, there's no reason to not take that. Yeah. <laughs> and this man who should have been availing himself to that <laughs> that level of help was saying, no, we need more gospel-centered churches in, in this area. Um, that really, that kind of smacked me and stopped me in my tracks and really caused me to deeply ponder what God was doing. Um, and from there, we actually moved towards having a launch team. We had a few other men that we brought on board. It was me, my brother, my dad, Nathan, uh, Brian, Bill. Was Mike? Mike, Mike, Mike Brightingham. Yes, wow. Mike. Um, there was a bunch. There was several. There were several men that, that just were part of the what we called the launch team to help us establish direction. These weren't even men that necessarily were going to be a part of the church, but that had uh, good biblical backgrounds, had been involved in ministry, and were able to help us to take a take take pause to count the cost of the tower before we built it and to mm-hmm. see what God would do. Um, and that was literally nine years ago, about this month, this early this month, yeah. nine years ago. Yeah. And here and we so are. You guys have been serving with your father, right? And correct. And mm-hmm. in, in his church. Yep. So it's, it's my, the elders are Jesse, me, our father, John and uh, Nathan, who is, I mean, I've, I've known Nathan since I was 17. So we're going on 21 years now. That's not true. I was younger, 15 like wow. 24 years. <laughs> it's been a long time. And what are you guys, so what are you, some of the responsibility, what are some of the ministries, you know, within the church that you guys are involved with? Oh, wow. Well, we just did a, a whole episode on why our, our, how weird our church is. We have a weird church. Very weird. I don't know if you're ready to open up this box, but uh, <laughs> I think she uh, knew because she's been talking to us for now. It's true. We, um, <laughs> she's like, these guys are nuts. We, uh, so I am the uh, teaching elder. I, I do most of the, the teaching and setting that up. And what that looks like, I do. I do that. Jesse is the other elder. No, I'm just <laughs> no, <kidding>. Some other <laughs> guy. I mean, we, we we do break it down into roles. I handle a lot of the communication stuff. That's um, correct. I have a heart for a lot of the community group stuff that we do. You know, a lot of the men's discipleship stuff. I uh, lean into. Um, we designated our dad the eldest elder because um, he is the eldest elder. So He's the, the oldest know, elder. <laughs> bring, bring in that wisdom, that experience. You know. Um, yeah. You know, we would like him to break more ties, but they're really like, he's usually part of the problem. So 
Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Nathan is what we would call missiology. Help, he helps keep us on track with what the mission of the church is. He's got a real heart for um, uh, in like the individual discipleship and um, the man's a networker. Oh, he's, 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 he's great at making connections in our town and using those connections and leveraging them for the gospel. Yeah. I feel like he's got a Rolodex of names. That's Rolodex. an old, that's an old Rolodex. term. That's so old. Rolodex. <laughs> you spin, the, spin the cards. Um, and, uh, and so that's Rolodex. the four of us. It makes for ironic elder meetings because we're all so close. So the passion bubbles real close to the surface on elders. So yeah. when there's disagreements, they tend to be passionately sharp. Yeah. Because close burst the bubble and there's just passion everywhere. Yeah. Closeness breeds contempt. <laughs> Uh, and uh and we are we are close so when one of us disagrees but there's also incredible amounts of deference in that uh so because we love each other when when one of us disagrees if i disagree sharply with jesse but the other two are agreeing with jesse there's my microphone went down there's the ability to uh to say (laughs) (laughs) there's the ability to say no i i trust you men i trust you men explicitly and and if i'm i'm the one who's outside this box i i want to pursue what you guys feel you're being called to because I trust the Lord in you. Um, and so while it can be very passionate and get a little hot in elder meetings, it's also <laughs> uh, a very loving place and safe place. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about then how do you guys come up with the idea of your podcast? Um, and then if you guys wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about what your podcast is about. Yeah. It's about us because we're amazing. That's not true at all. <laughs> it's a joke. Yes. Everyone's like, well, what I've listened to so far, I will never be listening to that podcast. <laughs> um, how did that happen? Um, well, we really we really kind of stepped into that. Geez, we were, tonight we'll be, after we are done sharing this lovely time with you, we'll be recording our 45th episode of our podcast tonight. So we're mm-hmm. weekly on our podcast. And so that puts us, we took a big break last Christmas, probably about a two month yeah. break. So we're talking, I guess, about a year and a half. We've been trying to release this stuff. Let's be honest. We were not consistently weekly. No, we were not consistent. We started. We are now. We started late last summer, and we're very inconsistent because we had one, no idea what we were doing. Two, had no time. And we still, and so far, both really of those things are still true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we definitely have more of a direction now, I think. Yeah, we, uh, we, we wanted to start a podcast. Just basically, we honestly thought it would just be something to be a, another supplemental help to our, our local church friends. Mm-hmm. We're local church guys all the way. We believe that God builds his church locally and that um, what makes the church strong is hundreds of thousands of small uh, biblical communities called God Christ's Bride. In, in all in all these different places that that churches are what makes the church strong um and so we're local church guys we thought it I would mean, be it's, it's god himself and the holy spirit amen uh, uh, of course <laughs> of course of course um Let's just yeah. get that out of the way yeah sorry no no heresy i apologize if that came out the wrong way um but we thought basically basically the podcast would be a supplemental resource to to our friends so we wanted to bring in both local and national cultural issues we wanted to bring in um maybe hard to understand biblical topics and we wanted it to be a resource and uh and that small idea turned into something much larger over time <laughs> yeah. i mean it, it was really just looking around south jersey and seeing a void in this kind of content i mean the content that mm-hmm. we had been devouring for years and years and years uh we we kept we kind of like okay well nobody's really saying this around here and it's not really if they are it's not really reaching anybody i mean 
and even some of the content that was coming out of some places locally, which was great, great three years before, by the time we had, by the time we get to 2021, it was starting to turn real sour, real fast. Super, um, super sour. And so we wanted to be a resource that people could use. And, and that really took a, 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 geez, a a dramatic turn. um, Once, once the lockdowns came, uh, you know, 10 years ago, as it feels in real time, (laughs) only March, 2020, 35 years ago. It was just a year ago, almost (laughs) when I was, but a young man, (laughs) (laughs) but what about this t-shirts now? Yes. That's when that really does this come to be come and take it. So yeah. Why do you guys start making this (laughs) t-shirts? It started last Christmas. I, I I cannot reveal the exact thing that we were talking about. Because it might be a shirt coming soon that you yes. can buy this Christmas. In fact, the Christmas shirt is coming soon. That was actually our original idea. So when, whenever you, you're able to see what our Christmas shirt looks like, that was how Come and Take It started. Um, I love history. We both love history. Yes, perhaps my we do. Lo- I, I as well. Yes. But because I think I'm older, my love of history started a little earlier. Well, you maybe. certainly remember more history than I do. So. <laughs> Mine like a steel trap. Um, but anyway. The uh, the come and take it started over last December, and we were toying with something like lawn signs for our area. Uh, <laughs> and then we were we continued to stay engaged. No, 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 call them out. Our friends were like, "No, it's too aggressive." It's yeah, too aggressive. yeah. Don't our friends that. were like, "That's too aggressive. You Man, can't do that." So mean. And then we had to inform no, you him are that, Josiah. Oh snap! <laughs> calling people out on the podcast. He's not going to listen to this. He's, he probably not. Hopefully not for our sake. <laughs> He's like six foot eight. He's really tall. Anyway, um, <laughs> so so from there we went. We, we we started. That was that was our idea. But then that this is during my. So I work for UPS. I drive a big brown truck. So December is a highly stressful time for me. <laughs> it's very busy um, to incorporate ministry and podcasts. Just seemed totally infeasible last year. So once January hit, we began recording again, trying to stay engaged with cultural and cultural material, and and put out a podcast that was a good resource for our uh, local community everything started to break down and we saw February coming and we saw these conversations take these really dramatic turns Uh, and fear was just creeping ever, ever closer in our culture. And we're watching, we're we're right on the verge of Liberty being something that is non-existent anymore. Um, And, and the reality that we saw coming was then married to what was happening inside of Canada. And now just to our board, just to our Northern border, we're seeing pastors, being imprisoned, being fined, churches being fenced off. It was almost incomprehensible to look back on it then. Like now we look at it as, oh my gosh, this is just what governments do, don't they? They just take things. They, they just take things that aren't theirs. But, yeah. but at the time, I was like, Jesse, we need to, we, that, that shirt needs, that, that, that idea needs to be a shirt. Like, what if we put a pulpit on it? Yeah. <laughs> so literally as, as Pastor James was, as Pastor James Chris was going into prison, um, you know, that's when that's it actually when, started when the church was just being cordoned off before he got in prison. The church was cordoned off after he was in prison. Well, then you're right. And I defer. I, I mean, unless I'm getting my timeline. Nope. Wrong. You're probably right. Don't trust me. Cause they they continue to meet. Correct. But, um, yeah. so, you know, at, when that happened, we're like, look, we got to do this. And so, um, Justin petitioned his wife for a, a birthday gift. A, a small, a small loan of one million dollars. <laughs> no, I, t- I said, babe, for my birthday, instead of getting something, I'm going to take that money. We're going to print T-shirts up um, with the idea to give part of whatever proceeds we could to give to their church, and um, that proved to be something that people were not only uh, very glad to wear. Such a bold message to remind not only 
Canada, but also all of their also their their local magistrates um, mm-hmm. that the church belonged to Christ and not to them. But that became very, very popular, very quick. Yeah. Um, and we realized, <laughs> well, we we have a little bit of a problem here because we're two fully t- full time employed fathers and husbands who also pastor churches and are very busy, but yeah, God turned that and used it uh, a mighty way. And um, we've been able to send tremendous amounts of funds to Canada, Canadian churches in need that we, we know without the support of people willing to wear something bold, um, a bold message and to, to, to support that message, we would never have had the opportunity to do, to be able to, to be generous, like, like God has allowed us to be. It's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just just for a little bit of my perspective on all that i mean it it was it was really really just in, incredibly humbling i mean i i remember the first day that that aaron coates uh shared one of our things and i'm like oh my gosh aaron coates shared one of our things like you know like like some type like some type of celebrity status and it's it's just so funny to think of because now they're just now they're just our friends like we we talk yeah. to them now and they're just like normal people, just like, you know, just trying to do church up in Canada. <laughs> yeah. But, it turns out to be, it's really hard to do church. Apparently it's very difficult. to do. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And I mean, I could, because I remember we had launched the shirt to support him. And then I, I remember one morning waking up and, and seeing their, their building being cordoned off. And I remember how vividly angry I was. And I remember calling you. And I think the video actually where, where I, I prayed for them is actually still up. It's probably one of the first videos. <clears throat> that we posted on our Instagram, um, praying for them. And I, I remember I called you. I'm like, Justin, we got to give hundred percent of the proceeds to this church right now. Yeah. So we were like 24 hours, 36 hours, yeah. eh, 48, 48 hours. hours. <laughs> we got over, we got over 200 orders from all across the country wow. to, support, to support pastor James. And like, that was like, that was a really humbling thing because in South Jersey, we're one of the only churches doing the kind of things that we do. I mean, we, we didn't really talk about it, but we have zero paid staff at our church everyone is volunteer elders, everybody. Um, and so we, we are, we call ourselves bivocational, but a true bivocation would be taking salaries from two vocations. We, we are, we are one income, uh, one vocation income, uh, <laughs> elders, uh, and, and everything. And we're like, it, it can be such a silo of the same old church Inc here. And so, you know, we feel unique because our model's unique and our message is is kind of edgy and whatever, but, but seeing people from all across the country ordering this, I, I think we even sent a shirt to Hawaii. I mean, it, like just crazy. That stuff. one faithful Christian out there in that Ohio, one, God, God bless you. <laughs> Keep doing what wow. you're doing. Um, but I mean, like just being able to see that I, it was a huge encouragement to us. I mean, the message yeah. is coming from Canada. The message is coming from Australia. The people that we've been able to interact with internationally that, that that one person that listens to our podcast in China, I don't know, I don't know you, and I, I, yeah. it seems scary to me. I don't just be safe. Yeah, I mean, we're, <laughs> but yeah. things like this, things like this that started to happen, you don't plan. I, I, you don't plan this. Like this was not a business model. We don't have a business model. We're not a business. We have no desire to be a business. Um, this is whatever God wants it to be. We when we came when we met you at G three, our our basic idea with G three was, uh, Lord God, if you have used this for as much as you've wanted it to be used, we are totally fine with that. Yeah. Because we're not, it's, we didn't do this. We don't do this for, for us or, or what we're trying to build. That's not the idea. And we walked into G3 like, well, God, we've got a bunch of shirts here. And if you want to sell them, 
and you want to you want to give us that opportunity to continue to be generous if you want to continue to um embolden the church through something as silly as a t-shirt then we're fine with it and we'll yeah, keep pushing yeah. hard but if you you have used this as much as you want it to be used and you want us to continue to pursue other things we'll, we'll do that too yeah. um and this is this has been completely in god's hand yeah. it really has one because we have no truly no time to really make this <laughs> we are literally the wizard behind the curtain it is a man pulling strings that's 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 what we feel like um because just the things jesse's able to do on social media um the grace god has given us with them the people we've been able to meet and interact with people like yourself that's what makes anything that 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 we have interacted with worthwhile it's yeah. it's it's the other people engaging and and diving in and sharpening one another yeah. When there are many people in my church that are very thankful for what, you know, you guys stepping up and really supporting Pastor James Coates and Aaron. Uh, in fact, when I was a G3, it was a friend who sent me a picture like, oh, they have like a deal on their T-shirts. Like you should check it out because she loves like you guys ministry and she has been following your account. And it's funny because I you know, like I was in the bar network. So I'm like behind you guys. So I take a picture of your guys is like in the back, you know, like I can see you guys from the back. And so I sent her a picture like, oh, they're right here. (laughs) So it wasn't until like the last day that I went and, you know, got myself two t-shirts, one for my, uh, my husband and one for myself. And uh, we're sincerely like just so thankful uh, just for your support and and just love seeing the support that you, you know, that you offer to other churches, to other pastors that you're uh, sharing, you know, what's happening with other pastors also. We're, we're very thankful. I, yeah. I, I, it's, it's truly, I mean, this, it, it sounds so crazy because I feel like we see stories like, like, I mean, we, you can probably think in your head, like, oh, like, you've probably seen people just get wrapped up in this weird pride thing, you know, like, oh, look, look at what God's, look at where God's building through me or whatever. And it's like, I feel like the opposite. Like, I just feel so absolutely humbled, like on my knees, weeping, humbled, because uh, God has put us in touch with so many people. Like we, we've wept with our friends in Canada. Like we have friends in Canada now, first of all. I used to refer to Canada as America's hat. Right. Yeah. uh, Now I have deep, meaningful relationships with people all the way near the Arctic circle. It's crazy. I mean, we talk to these people daily. We, we send pictures of our children back and forth to one another and we, we pray for one another and we share what's going on. And, you know, we, we weep with them and rejoice with them and they weep and rejoice with us. And it's like, it's, it's amazing that, that technology is, is used for so many diabolical and meaningless and useless purposes, but that God's able also to use these technologies for stuff like that has just been absolutely humbling that, that any, that, that God even had the idea to use anyone, any, any, any morons from South Jersey <laughs> to, to be an encouragement to someone from somewhere like Canada, you know, or even Australia, we, we talk to people there. It's, it's crazy. It's so humbling and uh, amazing. And it's like, and our church family has been so awesome. Yeah. Such a strong support to to encourage us and help us. I mean, everybody that was with us at G3 was just we they were they were church family. Yeah. That's who they yeah. were. And and to to be able to they 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 take it seriously because we treat it just like we treat ministry. It's just ministry to us. This is just ministry that we happen to be doing um that we happen to be doing with a larger audience, but it's, it's just viewed as ministry. It's work for the kingdom. We do yeah. work for the kingdom. And it, and it, it, I don't know, it's, it is very humbling. 
we feel very inadequate most of the time, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesse thank you. For you my drink. What are you doing? <laughs> Jesse's stealing my drink over here. It's my drink now. <laughs> yeah, he was playing around with your glass. <laughs> well, so now let's move on to my signature question for the podcast. So any three signature questions or one signature question? Three. Three. She has three. I, so I you guys crying. make it quick. <laughs> so I know you guys have stuff to do, but uh, any books, uh, favorite books that you guys have or any books that have been helpful for you guys other than the Bible? Of course. So I knew these questions were coming, but Jesse had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's just looking at you, looking I at have... your computer like you better have something there, man. <laughs> so for me, I consume for me, I can, I'm able to consume um, about four to eight hours of podcasts a day. Uh, so I'm able to consume massive amounts of information while I drive around in the UPS truck with my little Bluetooth earpiece on. So I was yeah. able to hear several people be asked your, um, your signature, signature question. question. Yes. Jesse, <laughs> we're actually doing something right now for the month of November with books. Yeah. We're doing novel November with our, with our boy, Alex from the men's muster on our, on our account. So what is novel November, Jesse? You're just yeah, trying to what is it? Your search. Uh, I mean, it's, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's just the idea that, um, you know, we, you know, Christians, at least in the reform circles that we roll in, tend to read a lot of books, soak up a ton of theology, which is absolutely amazing. We don't really flex those creative muscles a lot. So Novel, Novel November is just a, a time where we can set aside a lot of those um, extracurricular theology books, which is a very strange thing to say out loud. Um, so <laughs> set aside those extracurricular theology books and just to dive into some good fiction. Um, yeah you know, uh, just kind of get those creative juices flowing and um, really nurture that, that aspect of our Imago day. Um, you know, just, just for a little while. Just take a little bit. Yeah. So I, wanted, I was going to engage with two books, but I wanted you to do that because one of the books that I wanted to mention that I really enjoyed was a fictional book. I read this, I guess, I think I read this, the year it came out. I think long, it's, long yeah. time so ago. it's called a skeleton in God's closet by Paul Mayer. And it's a very interesting fictional book. That's very Mayer? engaging. Meyer? Uh, it may be Meyer. You can, you can. I'm going to go with Meyer. All right, Paul Meyer. Uh, and it's a it's a fiction, it's a fictional book about what if what if someone had discovered a uh, the skeleton of Jesus's remains, basically mm-hmm. the premise of the book. So it's very very interesting. Huh. Um, I will do no spoilers, but it was relatively shocking to begin to think about what that would mean for my faith. So this is about 2012. So this was a, right around that time where I was making that pivotal pivotal change. Um, into more ministry focus. And I mm-hmm. actually we got this as a, as a recommendation from our youth pastor um, as I was engaging with him and we were walking through discipleship uh, just as a great fictional book that really would challenge some thinking. And it was great. It really was indeed that. So that'll be a fictional book that fits well into our novel November where we try to take a creative spin and maybe take a break from uh, the overstimulation where we can, we can really start to lose the beauty of creation um in in even reading a fictional book because we steep we try to stick our nose so deep into theology texts sometimes that we think we actually end up getting too smart for our own good um and forget that god has created a whole beautiful world that 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 is deep and rich with story um so that would be what would be a reference there and the other book i was thinking was another um i'm i'm you want to jump in at all what are you reading for novel november jesse fellowship of the ring the Fellowship of the Ring. Class. Oh yeah, I saw um, a picture. You you sh- you, you share a, p- a picture on the podcast page. Yeah. Alex is like, oh, I'm reading this book and 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 this book. I'm like, dude, you're reading like 18 books. I'm like, stop. Like, just say one. <laughs> like, you, Taking all the books. Like, if you finish it, you can say another <laughs> one. But, like, calm down. Oh, uh, one of the books that helped 
really formed my parents as they were beginning to move towards maturity. And then they gave it to me and it kind of helped to push us as we were steeped in a culture of legalism Mm -hmm. uh, was Steve Brown's a scandalous freedom. Um, And uh, Steve Brown, he has actually had a, he had a syndicated radio show forever. Um, His voice is amazing. His voice is so low. I can't even remotely go as low as Steve Brown's voice is, but it's really good. Does he have a twang as well? Because you know, twang- I twang. You, you twang- I can't twang it that low without the twang. <sighs> hey there, everybody. Very, I'm Steve Brown. Brown. I'm Steve Brown. I can't do it. I sound like a serial killer. I wrote a book. Anyway, very low, very low voice. Um, his okay. He's not creepy. It sounds fine when he talks. Everybody, stop it. Um, <laughs> But one of the funny things is he would do is he would have, he would, you know, ask questions and he would, he would have interact with people that would call into the show and he would give out free sins. It's a joke. He was pointing out the fact that all of your sin is covered in Christ. I can't give you out a free sin. Christ has actually freed you from sin. That was the point of it anyway. Yeah. But scandalous freedom is a a scandalous freedom is all about the the subtitle is uh, the radical nature of the gospel. Um, and and in it, he is really pulling on the thread that we do not interact well with grace because we're much more well built to simply give ourselves a set of rules and follow them as if the rules are God instead of letting God be God. Yeah. Um, so that was another that was another uh, very, very good read way back awesome. in the day for me. Awesome. So now what are three things that brings you joy? Three things. I'm going to go back and. And say my books real quick. Oh, God. I, I'm going to do oh. it real quick. No, you, you, no, yeah. I, I gave you a chance. I was trying I, to let you go. I thought of Our books, books, and now I'm going to share. Never them mind. Down. Let's rewind. Okay, so Jesse, Arlie, I promise. Arlie's here. Like, guys, it's already been six hours. Can we wrap this up, please? <laughs> oh no, I'm fine. I know you guys have to record a, uh, an episode right. later on. So, <laughs> okay, so we, we don't sleep. That's the so re- recent recent book. I have two. One is called The Household and the War for the Cosmos by C.R. Wiley. Oh, I read that vicariously through him sharing so many quotes, so it must have been very good. I literally video recorded myself reading probably almost half of the book to my mom and to Justin <laughs> because like, it's one of those things where you can't just pull like a sentence quote. Like You got to get the whole He'd be like, okay, section. Guys, just, one, just one more short quote, guys. Three, Six minutes later. It's like, dude, that later. wasn't a short quote. That was like four pages. Anyway, anyway, very good. Very good. It's a, it's a fantastic book. Um, yes. Kind of kind of going back to what the household what the household used to be, what the household should be according to the Bible, um, yeah. where it's where it's gone wrong in modern in modernity, um, and kind of just really getting the wheels turning to get back into what what a biblical model of a household um, economy is. Absolutely fantastic. Completely blew my mind out of the water. Um, I, I will I will read that again and again. And that was again the title. The Household and the War for the Cosmos by C.R. Wiley. Very good. Um, next, next book, not a Christian book. It's called The Underground History of American Education by John Taylor Gatto. Um, absolutely fascinating. Um, I made a mistake. I picked it up uh, on an ebook, and it turns out it's like a 400-something page book because I kept wow. flipping the pages. I'm like, am I done the book yet? And like, I don't know. Turns out the, the dark history of American public education is very, very, very dark and deep. And it took a it lot is, of pages to say so. It is very deep. It is very dark. It is steeped in humanism and atheism. And it, it, it is not good for children. And it's important for Christians to know and understand that. And so that's why I would put that, that book on this list. Um, another book that I thought about while you were going into that. You said was, two books. No, I said I said two books from recent memory. Uh, another one would be um, A Praying Life by, I believe it's Paul Miller. 
Oh, great time life. life. Uh, a praying life. Oh, a Fantastic. praying life. I just, do you see what I did an, there? Yeah, that was an important clarification. <laughs> a yes, praying, a praying life. life. Okay. A praying life, not a, pr- yeah. A praying, praying life. life. Very good. Yes. All, All right. And you know my next question. Three things that brings you joy. Only three. <laughs> Are we including our Lord and Savior on the list or is this outside? You of can't say the easy ones, right? That's the rule. You can't I mean, say. just think about what are three things that brings you joy. I thought there was rules. I thought you couldn't say the easy things. No, I mean it's whatever make you know brings joy to this your life. Podcast. If she says just think of the things, just think carbs. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love carbs. All right, Jesse, you're up. <laughs> um, <laughs> my wife. That's one. My children. Two. I'm trying to think if I say cigars, will my friends be upset that I didn't say friends? Uh, <laughs> cigars and reading. It's the, it's the same event. <sighs> Man, should, All right, Jesse. You have to figure out combo things. So, like, I'm going to say my family. This is my wife and my uh, <laughs> one. Family. Combo Gosh thing. dang it. Combo <laughs> Um, but they both bring, the, but the, my categories bring me joy for different reasons. That's fine. That's fine. Um, family. Very, very different reasons. Watching my, my first thing was my family. So my wife and my kids, watching them grow in the Lord. That's been, it's a tremendous joy. Not easy, but a joyful. Second thing is um, ministering alongside my brother. Uh, that's why I have a tissue. Ministering alongside my brother. This, the, all that God has done here in our church body together has been amazing. Um, and, uh, and that really ministering alongside my whole, my, my whole church family. It's, it's amazing. My brother, my father, my friends in, in Christ. So ministry in the church has just been phenomenal. Um, and the third thing that brings me joy. Oh, wow. That, you know, the third one suddenly became too hard. I think I grouped too much. Listen, not everybody can be me. What Mm -hmm. can I say? (laughs) I grouped too much. The third thing that brings me joy is yeah, I grouped too much. I have all the things that bring me joy in those first two groups. <laughs> your hair, definitely your hair. <laughs> Watch this. You ready for this? I, I I did this with the coats. It... <laughs> uh, the thing that brings the third thing that brings me joy is that was me trying to touch his mohawk, by the way, and him not letting it happen. Oh, I know the third thing that brings me joy. It's uh, it's it's our prob it's probably our our kind of closed group of guys that we've really developed our our social relationships with through through over the the whole country. I just really enjoyed growing alongside Alex and and John and Cody, and we've we've got this whole little chat group that's been set up just from interacting with different people and and yeah. pastors across the country. That's actually been that's actually been really. It's been really interesting and very cool. There's another thing that's going to be joy. Yeah, Bobble Dingers is on the list. They're also in New Jersey <laughs> and also on your Bar Network podcast. Yes. Yes, they are. Ding on, baby. Ding on. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. All right. <laughs> All right. So my final question, whoever wants to take it, why do we need Jesus Christ? Because without Jesus Christ, we are dead in our trespasses of sin. We are like a caterpillar surrounded by fire, unable to escape. And he is the only way. He is the only way of salvation. He is the only way of escape. He is the only way to survive this mess of sin that so consumes our lives. Um, Every inch, every aspect of it is tainted by it. And he is our only light and salvation from it. Yeah. 
Yep. Sovereign Christ works for me. That means I get to pray. All right. I love to pray. Closes in prayer. I would love to. This works out wonderfully. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and thank you guys for, for joining me. Thank you so much for this time. And I do hope I can get you guys maybe on something else on the podcast. (laughs) It was super fun to have you guys. We would love to. I, I think this just means that you have to be on our podcast now. That'd be super fun as well. Whenever, Honestly. whenever you like me. <laughs> and and if you have any regrets about any portion of this podcast, you go ahead and feel free to cut it out early because <laughs> we are fine with it. We know how much of a mess we are. So whatever you got to do. It was <laughs> <Hey>. really fine. <laughs> I, I, okay. That, I'm uh, glad I met you guys in person. So I already know how you guys are. So I was trying to describe you guys to my friends and know? I'm like, they're very goofy. <laughs> That's, that's and accurate. I love it. That is so true. That you is guys so are true. awesome, and I'm so thankful for your brothers. And you guys have been a great encouragement. Just seeing, you know, um, everything that you guys are doing and stepping up and supporting uh, so many pastors now. You know, like with every the craziness happening. So thank you, and yeah, Justin, if you wouldn't mind just closing us in prayer. I certainly will. We encourage all of you to seize the faith, and now we'll do that in prayer. So let's. Pray oh wait, together. wait, wait. Oh wait, wait, wait. Time out. Sorry. Wait, so now I know that I'm going to be adding the links, but can you please tell our listeners how they can find your podcast, how they can be purchasing your stuff, you know, merch, anything? Yeah, before I forget, I almost forgot about that. But yeah, please. <laughs> we forget about it, too. Again, it's not necessarily yeah. our goal. So. We're, we're terrible at self-promotion. <laughs> we do not do good at that. Um, no, so, I do like uh, to have my listeners do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, my um, anyone- guest. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, anyone can uh, head to our website. It's carpefide.com. That's C-A-R-P-E-F-I-D-E.com. Um, there you can find a link to pretty much everything. Um, our episodes are on there. A link to our shop is on there. Um, you know, some articles that were written were on there are on there as well. And the best thing is our name is Latin and it's very unique. So if you search Carpe Fide on just about any social media, it's the only thing. We're the only Carpe Fide. You yep. will not yeah. get confused. A-R-P-E space F-I-D-E. You will find us. We are on them all. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, our our uh, our podcast should be in pretty much any podcast catcher from Apple's to Pocket Casts and uh, anything Spotify. You, yeah, anything you really use it on. So it's yeah. the same thing. Carpe Fide. It's the only one. And I would yeah. definitely say Jesse is a, is great at the socials, and we are a very entertaining follow. So if you find us on the Insta, the Facebook, Jesse's got us. We're we're a very entertaining follow. Yeah, we're yeah. we're hopefully on, very encouraging. Yeah, we're on Instagram at Carpe Fide Podcast. Uh, we're Carpe Fide on Facebook. Um, I think we're at Carpe Fide on Twitter. Yep. Yep. Um, we're also on Gab in case you have any crazy people um, that listen to your podcast that are on Gab. On Gab. Yep. Um, also, I believe that's also at Carpe Fide. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and our and our I'll be adding all... the links too. So anyone yeah. who listens will be finding all the links to your social social media handle and then the, the podcast as well and the website. It will be on yeah. the show notes. We, we, we are look just just know our shirts are not for the faint of heart if you buy one of our shirts it means you're going to have to answer weird questions from people that are going to require you to engage biblically uh, that's the point of our shirts it's to encourage yes. the church to be bold with with the message of god so there you go <laughs> yeah there you go well thank you again guys and now justin yeah if you could close it in prayers absolutely it'll be my joy Holy God in heaven, we are so thankful to uh, come together to spend some time uh, chatting with Arlie across the continent. Um, and, and what a joy it was to be able to meet her and now share this time together. I pray that uh, we would have glorified you uh, in our story because our story is truly your story. 
Uh, I pray that this podcast will be used to encourage the hearts of your church. Uh, I know that Arlie has been an encouragement to us. I pray that we have been an encouragement to her. I pray that you would continue to ensure uh, Arlie and her husband, their family. I pray that we would all be faithful to serve you. And we ask this in the true mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.